0: Let's just pray, ask God to help. Lord, we are so thrilled uh, whenever we um, baptize someone because you say that there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, Lord. And we thank you for that story today of one sinner who's repented. There is rejoicing in heaven. And Lord, we want to just... uh, really uh, be before you uh, in that sense with a sense of celebration and your awe and reverence and I pray as we open your word and look at your word today, I pray our hearts would be gripped I pray that life would come, I want to ask you to help me please, Holy Spirit, help me to speak with the freedom that you bring and with uh, um, you would own these words Lord and they would bring change, I pray Lord for all those that are listening God, you give them ears to hear what you're saying, I pray for hearts to be quickened and alivened by what you bring, I pray, so that Jesus will Be loved more so that Jesus will be made known more uh, obviously, Lord God, in people's lives, and so that your kingdom would come, we pray. Amen. 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 Now it's great to have a lot of guests here with Tom and other guests too, so just going to fill you in what we're up It's great to have Brandon here. Brandon, great to have you here, man. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon's the coolest pastor in the world. Uh, I thought I was a cool pastor I met Brandon that really got put in my place it's really been really good for me uh, Brandon and his wife Pamela and their children they've been over from America um, planting Freedom House Church have just been such an encouragement over the years we've been here and it's so cool to have you here man so, um, uh, so what we're doing is we're just to let you guys know that our guests we're working through the book of 1 Corinthians and the plan is to go through the book until September and um, so we're right near the start this is the third one and um, I won't go into all the details of what Corinth was like we did that in the first week it's on the you can download it if you want to find out the details but basically here's the deal the Corinthian church when you pray things like Lord make us be like we want to be like the early church um, well when it comes to the Corinthian church You need to think that through before you pray that Because there was a lot of problems A real lot of problems they, uh, I mean really you name it They, they, they were divided you know, they had, they, they, they really lost sight of Jesus and just were really dividing different camps about their favorite preacher, their favorite leader. Um, they, they, the Paul who really established the church, the Apostle Paul, they were really giving him some grief, speaking badly about him. There's a guy in the church who's sleeping with his stepmom, and they're taking one another to court. Um, I mean, they're going along to idol festivals and eating meat dedicated to idols in the middle of kind of temples. I mean, the rich are rocking up at the meetings before the poor because the rich work shorter hours. They're they're, they're getting drunk on the wine that's for communion um, and and eating all the food. So when the poor come, they can't even have communion and can't eat and are hungry. I mean, their meetings are just everyone speaking in unknown languages and it's just it's all oh, just, no one's interpreting what's being said. Um, you know, it's just chaos um, to, to the extent he says, I think that your gatherings cause more harm than good. And now they're starting to doubt the resurrection. So, I mean, you know, this is the church in Corinth. Um, so, just when you start praying about, we want to go out the early church, just really make clear to God what you're actually saying there and, uh, you know, put in some little provisos. So, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing listen to what Paul says in the first chapter, verse four. He says, I give thanks to my God. Always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's saying you're saints. You're really Christians. You really are part of the church of God. Now, I don't know about you. If I was the Apostle Paul and this church got into this stuff, I'd be thinking, these guys really even saved. You know, I mean, did they really get the gospel? Paul doesn't question that. He can see there's a work of grace in them. He can see, you know what? They're not the finished article, but there's something there. They are rough diamonds, you know? They can see there's something of new life there. They love and get Jesus. They understand the gospel, Okay? There's a pretty big gap between that and their lifestyle really reflecting that. But he can see it and he honours that. Now what I want to look at today, maybe we could call this message Bridging the Gap. Because you see the Corinthians, they get the gospel, they've been born again, something's happened. They're not what they were, but man alive, there's a long way to go. And just helping us get our head around that and working that one through and understanding that... And then applying it to ourselves and our own lives. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read quite a long passage from 1 Corinthians. Um, so just kind of roll with me on that. It's, quite, it's very easy to follow. And then I'm going to just talk about um, three categories that really Paul highlights here to this passage. So we're going to start at chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world didn't know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom though it's, it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away but we impart a secret and a, a hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us, by God, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, the natural person doesn't accept the things of the spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them. They're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things and is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But our brothers... Couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready, you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? And then over to verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he's wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it's written... He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Now, what's happened here, we've been looking at the last few weeks, is that Paul, in these first three chapters, is particularly challenging the Corinthians on the way they think. Firstly, they've lost sight of the fact that Jesus is the leader of the church. And some are saying, no, Apollos is, you know, when you lose sight of Jesus, you get into people. That's what happens. When you lose sight of him, you start getting into little factions and divisions. Remember the illustration we used? Even in a national situation, if the government, uh, the leadership of that nation is kind of in some way uh, moved out of the way, suddenly what happens is that tribal factions and different groups rise up for power. It's exactly the same. If you lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the senior pastor of the church, Jesus is the apostle of the church, Jesus leads the church, Jesus leads this church, I don't he does he is the head of the church we are the body okay? you lose sight of that you begin getting into little divisions and factions about other people oh he's my favorite i love the way he preaches oh no him i love i love the green shirts he wears yeah you get into your own little kind of things all right that's, that's 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 humanity that's what we do so he challenges them and says no who is apollos who is paul they're just servants jesus is the head of the church week 1 last week it was all about power they get into this thing of paul's not impressive man I mean, he turns up and there's nothing impressive about him. What can he do? Okay, And really, the, the way Paul tackles that, he's saying it's not like that with God. The way that God expresses his power is through weak vessels. God's men and women are not supposed to be impressive. They're supposed to be weak. Then God can manifest his power through them. And if you're too busy trying to be impressive and cajole people and, you know, kind of demonstrate this, that and the other about yourself, you are hindering the power of the Holy Spirit through you. You're becoming a a blockage to what God wants to do. Whereas if you're willing to embrace weakness, God can express his power through that. This week is wisdom. They were Greeks. They loved their wisdom. Corinth was right in Greece. Loved their wisdom, their rhetoric, philosophy and ideas. And really Paul has to just, just really deal with them on it and say, listen, there's two kinds of wisdom and you're really getting into the wrong kind here. Okay, So there's two kinds of wisdom. Just, just to demonstrate what those wisdoms are, we'll quickly just go to James 3 just to give you a foundation of that. Then we're going to get into the heart of the passage. Just a short message here, a short passage from James 3, um, verse 13. Two kinds of wisdom. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? by his good conduct let him show his works and the meekness of wisdom but if you've got bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts don't boast and be false to the truth this isn't wisdom that comes from above okay so there's a wisdom from above but it's earthly unspiritual demonic two kinds of wisdom one that comes from above the other one is it's interesting what he says it's earthly okay it can't be that bad then unspiritual okay demonic oh two kinds of wisdom From above, from below. The wisdom from above, he says, is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. Okay, So there's two kinds of wisdom. The Corinthians were saying Paul's not very wise, not very impressive in that, on that front. You know, He doesn't know the Greek rhetoric, doesn't understand Aristotle, Plato, and all of that. And what Paul is saying is you know, there's two kinds of wisdom. I'm not going to be into that kind of wisdom. Okay. And then what Paul says is this. He says, basically, listen, you've got to understand what it is, is this. There's three kinds of people. Two kinds of wisdom, three kinds of people. Now, the first kind of people is this are the natural people he says it here he says in chapter 2 verse 14 the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God they're folly to him okay they're folly maybe you're in this category okay you need to just ask yourself what is this person this is the person that when they hear about Jesus Christ being crucified they go do you know what it's nonsense it's folly how can how can that message make any difference to my life For goodness sake, I mean, we're talking 2,000 years ago. We're talking 2,000 miles away. How can that Jewish man being crucified, Romans crucified hundreds of thousands of people, how can that there make any difference to me? It just doesn't compute. Now, you may, this may be you, you may have met people like this. You tell them about and it's like, well, this is nonsense. At that point, you can feel a little bit, if you're a believer, on the back foot. I'm like, man, is this, is this message silly? Well, what does Paul say? Well, Paul says this. He says the natural person doesn't accept it. Well, why? He says he's not able to understand, because this so is spiritually discerned. What he's saying is this. The person who is natural doesn't have the faculties to get the cross. There are certain faculties you need to understand Jesus Christ crucified as the wisdom of God and as the power of God. You need spiritual faculties, okay? And you can't just drum them up, okay? It's kind of, you can't be just like, okay, I'm now going to get some spiritual faculties. Doesn't work. It's not how it is, okay? You can't do that. I remember I've told you guys recently about the conversation. Don't tell you about the conversation I had with the uh, yoga teacher some of you. Okay, so, so, so I'm at the gym and the yoga thing's kicking off in the studio next door. So I have got to talk to the teacher about it. I've got to find out about this, you know, because they're, they're doing their exercises and all seem pretty impressive. And then at the end, they all do, they do the thing where they will sit. And I'm thinking, I think, what are they doing? So I went in there and the class ended up I said, I've got to find, what is that bit at the end about? I get the other stuff, you did an exercise. What's that bit? It about oneness. So I cut, tell, talk to me. What oneness, oneness, in what sense is oneness? Within yourself. And I said, so, so I'm just thinking, I've got a I'm, you know, She's getting a bit annoyed, but I'm pressured and I'm pressured. So, in what's, what is happening? What's going on? She said, well, it's about internal unity with all of your faculties. It's like an incredible spiritual experience. And she said, I've been teaching this 12 years, an incredible spiritual experience. She said, but I haven't experienced it yet. <laughs> like, huh? Hold on. Uh, pause, you know. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I haven't experienced it yet, but it's an incredible spiritual experience. So you're the teacher. It reminds me of what Jesus says about the blind leading the blind, to be honest. What is this thing? What is this thing that you are going, well, no one really knows. But it's just, it's just you know, just, people just get convinced by plausible arguments. Says, if, we, if you do this, then at some point there will be a moment that happens where all of your internal kind of elements, mind, body, spirit, whatever, just come into a oneness. What, what, what is it? Well, no one actually knows. Now, you see, the thing is, people get into this, I'm I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. What what do you mean? What what are we saying? Because the Bible says that someone who's spiritual is someone who has been worked upon by God. Okay? What, ha- what happened is this. God has come to that person and has opened the eyes of their hearts so they're able to see what they couldn't see before. That's why it talks about a secret and a hidden wisdom, you see? It's not that, it's not that you've got to search it out for years, years of doing this or years of doing that. There's a revelation that comes. That's why we're called Revelation Church and not Information Church, okay? Because what we are hoping will happen through the ministry of this church is that God will use the words that are spoken and reveal himself through them, okay? Because God's plan is that through the gospel being preached christ crucified being preached that the holy spirit will come on that and open people's eyes and they'll get it It'll be like tom yeah he's on a coach not interested in jesus someone talks to him about jesus there's something happens there eight months later he's getting baptized what happened there god went to work through those words yeah God goes to work and a miracle happens for some people bang it's in the moment for others it's years it's more, much more like a seed just goes into the soil where's that gone you know no one knows where it's gone but it's in there and then a few other people come along and say a few things a radio program's heard something on the telly and it just waters as God uses it to water the seed suddenly it sprouts up what happened there God was at work it's supernatural it's not that like that person did anything to get there God in his mercy revealed himself okay the natural person doesn't get it. And I want to say to you, if, if this is you and you think, you know, I think that's me. I'm here. Maybe it's nice, pleasant. I don't get it. I don't get the thing about Jesus. What is my advice to you? My advice to you is this, is to instead of trying to kind of attain to some kind of spirituality or kind of get somewhere, simply find somewhere where you can pray and say, God, if what that man said is true, and if in order to see you, you need to reveal yourself to me, can you please do that? Because the Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if you're humble enough to say, you know what, I don't think I get this, but if it's there, I want it. I'm sure that will win the heart of God. Oh yeah, I'd love to show. Yeah? I just ask you, plead with you, to do that. The other category is the spiritual you think what's the third category we can call it corinthians (laughs) so we'll get onto them at the end okay the second category is the spiritual okay this is where now what is this this is someone who's been born again right but it's more than that in what sense in the sense that it's someone who has grown as a believer is growing and has grown you see when you're born again it's the miracle above all miracles it's glorious and yet you're just a baby and so to stay in that state, though glorious because it's something God has done, is not God's plan or God's will. God wants you to come to maturity. God wants you to grow as a believer. And it's not that you grow out of the simple gospel, not at all. It's just, that, it's just that you plumb the depths of the gospel year after year after year. And the unsearchable riches of Christ are revealed as you just dig into Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You just can't get to the end of him. Okay, and it's just this pursuit of Christ so it's not like you move on from Christ onto the really spiritual stuff no, no. you just put your roots into him you abide in him you pursue him you seek him you love him it's all about him but as you do so there's a stature a growth that comes from the head to the body where, you, where before you were like the broken hearted barely able to manage yourself and now you're an oak of righteousness you're able to give shade to others what's happened there? you've grown in Christ yeah? You, you've become someone who is spiritual. Okay? Now, this is, an, this is a delicate one to walk because how do you know when someone's spiritual? Someone, you know, where, that, where does that thing happen? I don't think you can really draw a line and say. But I think if you are growing and have grown, you can be encouraged. And I want us to bed down here for five minutes, then we're going to look at the Corinthian category, and um, we're, that's going to probably be slightly sobering, but we're going to do that. We need to do that. Okay? So, the so this is very, very wonderful. Okay? When you are born again, oh, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit has immense zeal for the glory of Jesus. So the one who indwells you wants you to know Jesus better and better. This is very releasing. Why? Because it, there have been times people have said to me, Steph, I wish I had your zeal. I'm thinking, no, it's not a personality trait. Okay? It's not like, well, you know, I've just got that kind of temperament. I'm that kind of guy. I wasn't that kind of guy. I used to sit around and spit. That was basically uh, pretty as ambitious as I was before I got saved. I would hang around in the streets and spit. People would know where I'd been because of the puddle of spits on the floor. That was my accomplishment in life. I was lethargic and half-hearted. Okay? So you look at the Apostle Paul. Before he was saved, he was still zealous. Right? So you can get the zeal thing. That, that's not me. I'm not a natural leader either. You know, I'm not, you know, some, some leaders you think, whatever realm you would have been in, you would have led. Not me. The Spirit of God is zealous. Our God is a consuming fire. He lives inside of me. He has a desire to glorify Jesus through my life. Okay? If I will allow him to be all that he wants to be in me... Then we're going to grow and be zealous. I can quench that, I can, I can quench him, I can quench the spirit, pour water on that desire. I can grieve him, the indwelling spirit. I can walk. he wants, I can do things that grieve him and cause him, in a sense, almost to retract, recoil in that sense. I can slow the thing down. Now, how does this work? Here's how it works: Jesus said it: the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak so I'm a man of contradiction like you all are if you are born again you've got the spirit in you that just longs for more of Christ and we all have those moments don't we where you just it could be that you're in a particular meeting or you're reading a book or something happens and it's just, just oh, I'm just going to so press into Jesus yeah we have those don't we then there's, there's other moments that are very different from that where actually you just think you know I can't be bothered I just can't be bothered or I just too I just don't want to or what if I press in and nothing happens? It could, the flesh. There's an unwillingness in the flesh. Now, we need to be, we need to be really discerning here because a lot of Christians I've talked with and you talk partially, it's kind of like they feel like if they really get aggressive that they're being legalistic in some way. I want to get aggressive. You're not being legalistic. What you're doing is you're, you're saying, my, my flesh, there's a part of me that really doesn't want to press into Christ. There's a part of me that just wants to kind of just do whatever. Or just, or escape, you know? Escapism. Or denial or whatever but there's a part of me that is just really not wanting to press into Jesus what do we do with that part of us do you know what it says in Galatians 5.24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires my flesh has passions some of which are very strong you know the things you battle with whether it's anger whether it's lust those things there are other sort of desires which are just I don't want to be I don't want to press into Jesus laziness passivity I have a responsibility by the Spirit to crucify that. Why? Because as I do so, that part of me, the indwelling Spirit, is then released to really press into Christ. If you're always taking the shortcuts, if you're always taking the easy route, if you're always giving way to the flesh, then you'll become uh, obese spiritually. You'll just be a a lump. You'll just be like a lump. You'll be like... And, you become, and the, the, the lethargy increases, okay? If actually you crucify that and it hurts, okay? Because crucifixion is painful. But if you crucify that, then I want to make a pledge to you that if you're genuinely born again, there is one inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that as you do that, you will find increasingly there are longings and desires that are beautiful, that rise up within you. That you and, and as you yield to those longings and desires, you will, you will, just, you will begin to walk closely with Jesus You'll begin to discern good from evil, his voice from bizarre ideas. You know, charismatic Christians who all think all kinds of things of God, don't we? You'll begin to grow in discernment and not be crazy. You know, you'll be able to. You'll be able to just grow, and you'll be and you'll become discerning, and you'll be able to bring shade for more and more people. And God will be able to entrust you with more. Don't you want that? Yes. I know you do. Crucify the flesh. How? What? Is it a one-off? No, it's daily. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I wish it wasn't. I really wish it was like yearly. You know, you kind of psych yourself up to it. <laughs> and It's coming that day again. You know, it's not. It's every day, and there's decisions to be made daily, which are not. It's not legalistic. I'm going to do that. No, it's like no. I'm going to kill that because I want that to flourish. Yeah, and you can't just have a kind of mixed bag. I'll have a bit of that in a bit. You can't. They are at war with one another. Read Galatians, they are warring factions. They're, and which one it's like if you've got two warring factions, and which one are you going to give give arms to? Yeah? Which one are you? Every time you give way to the flesh, you arm the flesh. Every time you crucify the flesh, you're arm in the spirit, and you will grow and, and you want, it will be a good growth in the sense that it won't be a proud growth it won't be a weird growth it'll be a growth which is basically about plumbing into just getting to Jesus because that's what the Holy Spirit's about okay just glorifying Christ and so it'll be a growth which just points to him and, and you'll just look more like him and you won't even realise it because you'll just be so caught up with him and not you hallelujah yes. hallelujah category two that's what we want that's God's plan maturity category three Paul's like I don't know what to make of you guys I can see God's at work in you. I can see this work of grace, but the things you're saying, the things you're thinking, the way you're acting, you know what? I can't refer to you as spiritual. I just can't do it. There's strife, there's jealousy, there's division, there's immorality, there's pride. You're acting just like, you're like kids. You're just like, little, this is the word in chapter three, you know, you're people of the flesh. Now, no, he's not calling them natural because he knows we read in chapter one no you have got it I know you've got the gospel so you're not natural but it's like you're really more fleshy than spiritual the way you are you're infants in Christ I fed you with milk didn't give you solid food you weren't ready for it and even now you're not ready because you're just still acting fleshly I want to I want to just bounce around here for the last bit of the message and just say please let that not be true of us please it was true of the the, 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 church, the Hebrews, when the, 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 the uh, um, apostle who wrote to the book of Hebrews, he said this to them. He wanted to start telling them about Melchizedek, which is, I mean, you get into Melchizedek, man. Whoa, that, that's like meat, okay? It's, like, it's all about the high priesthood of Jesus. I mean, it is, it is meat. And he says to them in chapter 5, uh, verse 11, about this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He's a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. You hear that? Constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. He's saying it's the same situation. He's saying you're you're stunted. It's like, I can see that there's a work of God in you, but you're not, you don't look like you turned. It would be a bit like if I brought a two-year-old up and said, uh, guys, this is my twin brother. I'd be like, what? I'd be like, yeah, no, we're twins. You'd be like, no, it's all wrong. So "Why? The proportions are all wrong. It should be 36. No, it's not like that big. You, it, it wouldn't compute. It's the same here. Paul's saying, you know what? From what God's done in you, you should be teaching by now. You should be teaching. But what's happened there? Here's what's happened there. They've just settled. They've just settled. It's just complacent. You know? They've not been rigorous. They've not understood. Actually, do you know what? Jesus doesn't just come to be built on top of your current foundation. Jesus comes to detonate your foundation and replace it okay he comes to completely explode your foundation to challenge every attitude you have every perception every value he comes to detonate it entirely and then plonk himself there so right now build on me that's what he comes to do will you let him will you let him because it takes some frightening decisions at times maybe in your approach to work will you let him maybe in your approach to money Will you let him? To relationships? Will you let him? To family? To any, will you let Jesus be your cornerstone? The cornerstone is, is the first thing you put in. It determines the entire shape of the building. He's the cornerstone. I want to just simply urge you and plead with you to do that. How do you do that? I want to say, please, reach your Bibles. Some of you, anyone here researches, anyone of you love have a bit of research? No, no, the personality tests call you resource investigators. If you can research something, you do. Any, re- any researchers in here? Okay. Let me, let me plead with you. Will you please search out the riches of Christ? Will you please not spend three hours researching the best washing machine and then read your Bible for 10 minutes? That's it. What is that? Get some appetite in you. Please. It's dishonouring. It's insulting. Jesus is so sidelined in the church. We'll pretty much think of anything we can to replace him without even meaning to. You've, come on. He's the one. He's the man. He's the one we're all about. Those of you that are academics, any academics any in academic intellectuals in the room? I'm just modelling that arm up. I'm not volunteering myself <laughs> in the... Oh, come on. Come on. And they're asked, there's more than that. Well, let me speak to the all two of you, all right? <laughs> Get into Jesus with that brain of yours. Yeah, reading about, I mean, reading about Isaac Newton, you know, this morning. Firm believer. Don't throw your brain out, but build on the foundation of Christ crucified yeah, build build everything on use your brain that God has given you for that how many of you in the room, you're just doers you're just, you're you're, you're doers you're action people, how many action doers any doers in the room do stuff for Jesus will you (laughs) do stuff for Jesus yeah, do stuff for him go and do something for Jesus doesn't matter. Just do something for Jesus, all right? As you're doing that, I'm sure he'll direct you and tweak it and make it better. But just do something. I just want to urge you and plead us out of passivity. We have been won by Jesus. We have been purchased by Jesus. We belong to him. We've rested our trust and our faith and our hope on Christ, crucified and risen. As a result, we've been transformed. Now God says, I want you to grow. And you know, there may always be one or two spiritual dwarves around who just refuse to grow, well fair enough, but let it not mark us corporately. Let us, a, let us be a body of people that is always growing. Like, just like Paul, Philippians three, yeah. I just long, I just want to know Jesus. I'm not I'm not I'm not a perfection yet, but I just want to know Jesus. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. I just want to know him. Whatever it takes and whatever it costs. The Holy Spirit, who indwells you if you are a believer, longs for that. So team up with him, will you? Partner with him and let him produce growth in you. Amen?